Here we go. We all have visions, right? We have visions, we have hopes, we have dreams, we have ambitions. And if you have a way of writing it down, I want you to think about your ultimate, most fantastic dream. Your ultimate dream. Your, the ultimate vision for your life. The very pinnacle of what you could possibly imagine. And I want you to write it down. Write it down or get, get that sentence in your mind, whatever that is. Some of you may know that right away, and some may have to like really think about that. Okay. Now I want you to think about that vision statement or that dream statement or that ultimate goal, that ultimate dream. Either think about what you said or look at what you wrote. And I want to tell you it's too small. Scratch it out, look at it, and make it bigger. Look at all the pieces of that dream and push the limits of your imagination. How could that dream be even bigger? I'll give you 15 seconds. Dreams are, they're very unique. And some of you may have written down um, something about your career, or some of you may have written down um, something about a family goal or a future, like your health, in the future you want your health to be like this. Um, some of you may have written down you'd like to be free from this addiction or you'd like someone you know to be free from this addiction. Or it may have to do with finances or money. This is where I, I want to be. God, take me here. Um, or it may have to do with a friend or family member's salvation or it might be a spiritual goal or a faith goal or where you want to be in the Lord. And I want to ask you, is anyone living their ultimate dream? Is anyone like, I'm already doing what I'm writing down? No? I'm seeing a lot of heads shaking now. Okay, that's good for me. Okay. That'll help where we're going. Why aren't we all living our ultimate dream and our ultimate vision and our ultimate ideal why, why, why aren't we doing that? Because usually there are obstacles, right? There's obstacles in the way. There's large obstacles. We can't pay this bill, or we've got this bad health battle we're fighting against. And sometimes there's small obstacles. I have a flat tire. I have to interact with this difficult person, right? Obstacles. All these obstacles in our way. There are countless difficulties we face each day that are kind of blocking the path to our dream and our vision and our goal. And tonight I am not sharing the five steps to achieving your dream, although that would be really incredible 45 minutes. Sorry about that. And we're not actually going to talk about your dreams or visions at all. That's not what we're going to talk about tonight. We're doing something better than that. We're going to discuss the obstacles, the struggles, the challenges, the difficulties, the sufferings. We're going to discuss those things that we face every day that distance us from those dreams. And we're going to talk about how to interact, which is a reaction with an action, to those hindrances and struggles and difficulties. We're going to talk about that.
And our anchor verse tonight is Romans 5, verse 3. Romans 5 and 3. says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Glory in our sufferings. Some of you are like, no, no, I just do not receive that in Jesus' name. I don't receive that. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. And you're right. You're right. Because God made us to be overcomers, right? Are you an overcomer? Yes, you're an overcomer. But sometimes I think we forget what overcomer means. An overcomer is one who has prevailed over something, some hindrance or obstacle or difficulty or suffering. It's a person who has defeated it and conquered it. That's what an overcomer is. And often I feel like, I don't know with you, but with me, I've often wanted to be the overcomer that didn't have to conquer anything. Right? Because, I mean, how often has your prayer sounded like, Lord, take this away from me. Or don't let me have to go through this. Or, God, never let that happen to me. It happened to them. Never let it happen to me. Or, God, just bring this my way. Just bring it my way. Um, We look and we see like a really ugly obstacle down the road a bit, and we say, man, that's really going to take a lot of my time and energy. I'm only going to have to pursue the Lord for wisdom about how to deal with that. That's going to take a lot of hard work and character development to overcome that. So Lord, just take that obstacle away in Jesus' name. Just take it away. And I wonder if these are prayers that truly move God's heart. Just say, take, take away. Take away this difficulty. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just asking the question. There's no judgment here. Just putting a question on the table. I wonder if these are the cries that God wants to hear from us. So, let's bust open some common modern Christianity myths. And they will help us to discover what being an overcomer means and what God really desires to do when we face a difficulty or a suffering. Okay? Myth number one. Myth. Number one, the purpose of Christianity is to make my life easy. Dear Jesus, please let me have no struggles today. Let everything in today's schedule happen on time. May my children do everything I say before I say it. May people just hand me money. May all the clothes wash themselves. Lord, I thank you that today every person I meet treats me like their best friend and only compliments me. Let my hair not be frizzy. Let everyone love all my ideas and implement them without question. Keep confrontation far from me, Lord. May there be no line at the bank, no wait at the DMV, no complications in my day at any kind of way. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Mark 8. 34 says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Does that sound easy to anybody? Luke 14, verse 25. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life, he cannot be a disciple of mine. The man who will not take up his cross and follow in my footsteps cannot be my disciple. Does that sound easy? Galatians 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature with all its passions and desires. Put to death. Not put on hold. These are not easy requirements. These are not easy. The purpose of Christianity is not to make our life easy. The purpose of Christianity... We'll get to that in a minute. Myth number two. If I am obeying God, I will not have any struggles. How many times... Have you listened to someone complain about their life and their issues and their troubles and you thought, if you would just obey God, I'm obeying God, I'm not going through any of that, right? <laughs> and then one day, one day you have an issue and you're like, why did my car get broken into and why does my transmission need to be replaced and why did my computer crash? I'm a tither. How did this happen? How did this happen? Many are the afflictions of the average unsaved person. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Afflictions. These are struggles and difficulties and sufferings. Afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I think I say that scripture every time I've been up here. I don't know. I, I dig it. I dig it. Obedience equals no problems. No. Obedience equals less problems? Sometimes. Probably. Sometimes. But really, obedience equals the first step. Obedience is the first step. It gives God access to your life because obedience is the mark of a surrendered will and a surrendered will is a really powerful spiritual tool for God to use. Obedience doesn't equal zero difficulties. Obedience is the first step, and we'll talk more about what that first step means in a bit. Myth number three. If something is difficult, then it's not God's will. How many of you know that often the difficult things are God's will? Forgiveness. Faithfulness, patience, long-suffering, considering others before yourself, fasting, abstinence before marriage, praying for those who persecute you. These are difficult things. Are they God's will? Yeah, they're God's will. So thinking back to sufferings and struggles and difficulties. Yes, in this world... 
there will be struggles. Jesus said there'd be trouble. There's trouble. There's difficulties, there's sufferings, but there is good news. There is beauty in the difficulties. There is a treasure within the struggle, and there is a reward after the requirement. Isaiah 41 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Would God have said that if his purpose was for us to never experience anything? Romans 8. This was my Grandma Audrey's favorite scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together. Difficulties and struggles and sufferings, yeah, they can lead to frustration and depression and anxiety and failure or... They can foster determination. They can raise up your creativity. They can increase your patience. They can create unity, and they can build your character. Two different perspectives. All right. Fact number one. We've gone through three myths. Now we're going to talk about three facts. The Lord expects more from us. Whatever time, whatever energy, whatever allegiance, whatever sacrifice you're currently giving the Lord, you can do more. I I can do more. I should do more. I will do more. Right? God expects more from us. I want to quote Francis Chan from his book, Crazy Love. Here's what he says. We see God as a benevolent being who is satisfied when people manage to fit him into their lives in some small way. We forget that God never had an identity crisis. He knows that he's great and deserves to be the center of our lives. Jesus came humbly as a servant, but he never begs us to give him some small part of ourselves. He commands everything from his followers. The Lord expects more from us. Let's look at Mark chapter 10. There's the story of the rich young ruler. It starts at verse 17. Mark 10:17 And as he was setting out on his journey a man ran up and knelt before him this is to Jesus and asked Good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life And Jesus said to him Why do you call me good no one is good except God alone You know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud honor your father and mother and he said to him teacher All these things I have kept from my youth. 
And Jesus, looking at him, said, good job, that's it then. No. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Oh, Jesus, you're so sweet. Loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus says, go sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And I don't know what you glean from this exchange that happened right here, but it's a real wake-up call for me. Because Jesus is basically saying, obedience isn't the destination, it's the first step of the journey. If our goal at the end of the day is solely to not have sinned, we are only living the same first step of our walk with God every day. Okay, I didn't sin. Now I'm going to go to bed. Oh, I didn't sin again. Okay, now it's time for bed. We go a day without sinning and we're exhausted. We're like, oh, I didn't covet, I didn't lie, I forgave that idiot. I prayed. I only thought about good and lovely things. Job well done. Yes? We must obey. Obviously. Obedience. Key. Now get it together, obey God, and take the second step. Right? There's, there's more than one step to be taken. So let's just look at this man in Mark 10, the rich young ruler. Was he an obedient man? Yeah, he, he, he got down obedience. Oh, I've obeyed all these commands from my youth. Job well done. I'm all, I'm all done. Jesus says, that's great. Now here's the second thing. And some of us are like, there's a second thing? It's a second thing? You see, the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will, you will obey my commandments. So, he had done the first commandment. He proved he loved God because he was obeying the commandments. But then what did Jesus say? There's a second one. The second one is like it. And what is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Sell everything, give to the poor, follow me. The second step is the second commandment. To love your neighbor. So now that we've set aside those sins, and now that we obey God, we do the next step. We give up everything for the cause of Christ. We go feed the hungry. We visit orphans and widows in their affliction. We love the loveless. Obedience is not the destination. It's the first step of walking out his kingdom purpose for our life. Fact number two. We are overcomers. This is how God sees you. God doesn't see you as a failure. God sees you as an overcomer. So we have to own our identity as an overcomer. You've got to put on that garment. Because right now, sometimes our identity is the avoider, right? I just want to avoid everything. I just want it not to happen to me. That's something with me. I had to re- 
repent. Lord, I think you've blessed my life so much I don't have to go through anything. That's not the point. It's not to avoid the trouble. It's to overcome the trouble. So we were not created to avoid all struggles and difficulties. People are difficult, and life is full of struggles, and we're not supposed to run from that or map out a life that avoids as many of them as possible, like, oh, I'm going to risk management my life and avoid all struggles. That's not why we're here. The purpose of Christianity, I'll get to that in a minute, We are to subdue the struggle. We are to disarm the difficulty. Overcomers don't avoid. Overcomers don't give up. Overcomers overtake. That's what they do. 1 John 4.4. Y'all know the scripture. You don't got to look it up. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. He was talking about the spirits, the darkness of this world. You have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We've known it since we were children and how easily we forget. We say, oh, I can't face this struggle. Why not? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You're armed. You're ready to go. You can tackle it. You can face it. Fact number three. Okay. Lord, you expect more from me. I'm an overcomer. Okay, I got it. I see it. Fact number three, to be someone different, you must do something different. Doing precedes becoming. If I eat a burger, I can't tell you I'm a vegan. Right? I have to, like, stop eating meat and stuff. And then I'm a vegan. There's an order. To be someone different, you have to do something different. So, your current life systems that you're working on right now, everything you're doing in your life, they are perfectly tailored to get you the results that you're currently getting. Another way to say that is however you are currently dealing with your difficulties and struggles is producing the results you're experiencing in your life. Knowing something and doing something are two totally different things, right? So let's recap. We know that God expects more from us than obedience. That's just the first step. Obedience is like Christianity 101. You ever think like God looks down? and says, this is the easy part, people. Master it already and move on. Move on. Next step. We know that God didn't create us to be avoiders. He created us to be overcomers. So now we must not continue to be the same. We can't run away from struggle. We can't be overwhelmed by struggles or live in frustration by the difficulties and the struggles. It's time to attack the struggle. Come against it, right? So here's ways we can do that. Number one, here's the suffering, the obstacle, the hindrance, the difficulty. Remember, these can be big, these can be small. Identify the root problem. 
not just the symptoms. We come from a society that just wants to alleviate symptoms because curing the root cause of the problem is a little too difficult, right? We just want the symptom to go away. So, for example, I'm struggling with heartburn. Struggling with heartburn. Every time I eat three burgers, I get terrible heartburn. Terrible. I better take some antacids to overcome the heartburn. Is the heartburn the source of the struggle? Is it all about the heartburn? This difficult person's keeping me down. The man is keeping me down. If it weren't for him or her, I could accomplish all sorts of things. If it wasn't for this person, I could be who God wants me to be. Here's a freebie. The struggle is rarely ever a person. If you think it's a person, it's probably because you're dealing with a symptom and not the root cause of the problem. So we want to recognize the real issue, not the symptoms. Number two, okay, number one, identify the root problem. Number two, recognize your strengths and your weaknesses. Let's go back to our scripture in Romans. What does it say? Glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Our strengths and weaknesses are our character. So we need to take an honest look at it. And taking a good, hard look at your character can be a really scary, ugly thing. And I'll help you out. I I already listed some of mine. So I'm going to be real transparent. Just to get your brain working about your own life. Okay, I've got some strengths. Um... I love, I love singing. I love worship. I, I, I wash the laundry really well. Um, I'm an incredible friend. Ask anyone. Um, it's easy for me to give. I get really excited about tithing. It's not hard. Um, I'm a good flosser. Um, I'm really good at starting something. Can I tell you about some of my weaknesses? I'm really bad at finishing something. Really terrible. Notice one of my strengths was like washing the laundry. One of my weaknesses is folding the laundry. I have piles of clean laundry all over the house. Um, Fasting is hard for me. Uh, I can't play an instrument well. I can't learn a language. I mean, it it requires more effort than I'm willing to give it. and isn't it funny, the things that don't come natural for us, that's the kind of stuff we like, eh, I really don't want to do that. It's not easy for me. I can't sew. It's, really, it's hard for me to be on time. It's hard for me to prepare a message like this. Um, patience. Mm-mm. Doing the dishes after dinner. I'm really tired. Um, procrastination. I waste far too much time on the Internet. I really shouldn't click on what outfit the celebrity was wearing, and I do. I want to see it. Um, I eat pretty not great. I could eat better. 
I don't exercise. That's just some of my weaknesses. And you, okay, well, that's just the way I am. There's nothing to be done, really. God loves me just the way I am. And no, God loves you in spite of how you are. Right? What did Pastor just tell us? He says God's love for us is based on his identity, not our identity. So we have no excuse to stay the same. The word says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. But that's only if we give him our weakness. That's only if we fess up and don't want it anymore and ask him for help, and then his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Number three, be accountable for your weakness. Accountability. That's a heavy word, my friends. It's a heavy word. Work to eliminate your negative attributes. Work to accentuate the positive attributes. Set yourself up for success by cutting off the resources that enable you to be ineffective. Okay, let's see. If I were to fast the Internet, I would probably create the time I need to not be late to everything. This is theory. If I exercise... I may have the energy necessary at the end of the day to wash the dishes. Just a theory. Sometimes all we need to do, sometimes, it, sometimes it's not spiritual. It's just analyzing yourself. Sometimes all you need to do is reflect on your own character and uncover your flaws, and the solution to overcome the struggle will be right there. Right there. Because often our struggle is a character issue. Often. Not every time. Very often. Don't replace the need for more committed character with more confession. I'm highly convicted by that statement. Sometimes it's easier to just confess something than to change something about yourself. Don't replace the need for more committed character with more confession. Okay, sometimes it's not that easy. We can't just look and see and, okay, yeah, okay, God, I just need to not be lazy. Sometimes for us to see the solution, you, we have to take it to the Lord, and that happens through prayer. We have to pray. Pray it out. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. The Lord says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not. God has the solution. He has the answer. He has the plan. He doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. But we need to pray an effective prayer. I thought all prayers were effective. I'm not so sure. Uh, James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Which leads me to think, so some prayers may not be effective. Because an effective prayer avails much, so an ineffective prayer probably just doesn't do very much. I was watching the response live on my computer 
and everyone was praying. The response just happened in Houston. The governor was there praying for the country. It was a really beautiful thing. And there's 20 to 25,000 people just seeking God's heart. It was awesome. And there were, oh, uh, it got to the part where they were praying against abortion in the nation. And there were some sweet teenage girls crying out to the Lord and pouring out their heart. And they were praying this. Here's, what, here's their prayer. Lord, end abortion in America. And I thought, I don't know if that's an effective prayer. I mean, wouldn't it be great? But I wonder if God wants us to go a bit deeper than that. Because is abortion the source or is it a symptom? It's a symptom of a bigger problem. We want to pray against the problem, not against the symptom. So I wonder if something like, Lord, I rebuke the spirit of death in this nation. And I ask that you raise up your people to reflect the values of life in a spirit of love so that deceived hearts would be softened by your truth. I wonder if that's a more effective prayer. So here's some effective prayer reminders. First, name, name the problem. Discover what the problem is. You can't pray for it if you don't know what it is. Well, actually, you can. You can pray in the Spirit. But you should try to discover what the root problem is, right? Sometimes it's a problem. Sometimes it's a spirit. For example, if you are praying against financial lack, that's a spirit of famine. Curse it. So you can't stay spirit of famine. If there is stress, that's a spirit of fear. Call it by its name. Spirits do not like to be addressed by their name because then they have to respond and obey. They want to stay hidden. If it's physical attacks, that's a spirit of destruction. The Holy Spirit can reveal to you the names of these spirits so that you can bring it to light, and it has to obey the name of Jesus, correct? Laziness, that could be a spirit of selfishness, but you know what? A lot of the time there's no spirit, it's just us. I can't think of your name, spirit. Your name is Melissa. <laughs> name the problem. Find that spirit if or if there is not one. Right? Not everything's the devil. Sometimes it's just us. Find the problem. Rebuke it, right? Make your request known to God. Lord, this is the problem. I don't know what to do. You need, you need to have a request. Have a request. Make it known to God. How do I find what to say? You should find and define your answer that you need in the Word. In other words, pray a scripture. You can never go wrong if you pray a scripture. You want to pray an effective prayer? Pray the Word of God. Trust the Lord that His kingdom come, His will be done in this situation. You have to give God room to be smarter than you. You're like, Lord, here's my problem, and I want A, B, C, and D to happen. Amen. That's not giving God a lot of room to move. But if you say, Lord, here's my problem, I'm speaking your word over this, and I thank you that this is the solution will come, unless your glory will be made more abundant through another option. And then you do that, God. I'm open. I'm open to your answer. 
That's the heart. And then you live thankfully. Because how many know you don't have to beg God for the same thing every day? If you pray an effective and fervent prayer about an issue, and it's, a, and it's fervent enough, you'll never forget the day you prayed it and gave it to God. And does God require us to beg him for the same thing we already gave him? No. What does he want us to do? He wants us, he wants to, us to thank him for it. We thank him. So maybe the next day you go, oh, and God, I thank you. You are moving in that area, and I am trusting you I'm going to see it. Right? Unless you really don't feel good about it, and then, you know, get your face up, pray that sucker again, and then thank him for it. And then prayer, remember, is prayer a one-sided conversation? You talk, and then you and you listen to the Holy Spirit. And you don't just like do nothing because you're waiting to hear from God, right? If you don't hear something, you still serve, you still give, you still obey while you're waiting to hear from the Lord. Psalm 91.14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. The Lord will be with us in trouble. So when you are seeking after the heart of God, when you come against a struggle or a difficulty or something that's a suffering to you, when you're seeking after God's heart, it's, here's what it's going to do. It's going to prepare you for something greater. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to grow your patience, your determination, and your faith. In other words, it's going to build your character. It's going to offer you experience that you can build on. It's going to increase your skill set. Do you want the surgeon with no actual surgeries under his belt, or do you want the doctor with 20 years of experience? Right? It's to prepare you for something. And the devil wants to tell you that these sufferings and struggles are just there to discourage you and dishearten you, and he wants you to give up, and he wants you to be angry and frustrated, and he wants to defeat you and weaken you. That's what he's telling you. That's what these struggles are for. And God is saying, the struggle can make you better. Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow, that's a good scripture. The devil, he wants to throw all kinds of obstacles and difficulties and sufferings your way. But what he intends for evil, what can God do? God goes, oh, don't worry about that. I'm just using that to make you better. That's just going to make you better. In the army, are the generals the ones who have the least amount of combat experience? No. No. What's the one with the least amount of experience? Is that a private? Right? 
Are, are we a private or, or do we want to be a general? And I, I think to myself, we don't want to curse what has the potential to cause us to become a general in the kingdom of God. We don't want to curse that. Because with God, through the struggle, we become an overcomer. The more we overcome, the more we can have experience and build our character and grow, the more we'll be up and in the ranks. The more we're better to fight. We're better prepared to fight the next thing. If I'm going through something, I don't really want the person that hasn't gone through anything to pray with me. I want the person that's gone through it, has an anointing to overcome it, to believe with me and to give me encouragement. That's what I want. That's who I want on my team. Somebody with experience. <laughs> right? And remember, experience doesn't necessarily equal wisdom. Some people go through the same thing, never learn, and it's just a terrible spiral. Right? The goal isn't just to get beat up. The goal is to overcome through Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. So we have to look at these sufferings and obstacles and difficulties with a renewed mind and with a new frame of reference. The old perspective was this. Lord, take this struggle away from me so I don't have to face it. The new perspective is this. Holy Spirit, show me how to deal with this and overcome this struggle. Guide me with your wisdom. Thank you for the opportunity to grow my character and build my skill set and get the experience I need in this situation so I can be more useful for you. That's the new perspective. So at the beginning... I asked you to write down your dream. Think about your dream, your ultimate dream or ultimate vision. So if you did write it down, would you draw a little frame around it? Like a little rectangular frame? Like a picture frame? Mentally, draw a frame around your thought. And I want you to write this on your frame. A life that brings the most glory to God. That's the purpose of Christianity. Pastor, Pastor's Radical Series, he preached at the beginning of this year. Man, it, it's continuing to transform my thoughts. But that was it. Is the purpose of Christianity an easy life? Is the purpose to avoid struggle? Is the purpose just for the Lord to bless us? No! The purpose is to bring God the most glory. The purpose is to make his name known, to bring him honor and glory. That's the purpose. So this is the frame. The frame of our dreams is this, a life that brings God the most glory. Now for some of you, your picture, your vision, your dream matches that frame. For others, you might have to put a new picture in that frame. But the frame's always right. Romans 5.3, that's our anchor scripture. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. I hope that glorying in your struggles and sufferings has a new and beautiful meaning for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father God, may we see the beauty 
in the ashes of struggles and difficulties. May we take on the identity of an overcomer. May we attack struggles with faith and resilience and persistence. May you mold and shape our character and be the source of our strength as we abandon our weaknesses and build our strength, God, for you to use for the glory of your kingdom. May we make obedience our first step and walking in your kingdom's purpose our next step. May we live for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we're going to receive our, uh, our tithes and offerings our, and let you worship the Lord with your giving right now. The ushers are coming forward. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand and they'll get you that. Um, while they're doing that, let's go ahead and uh, just uh, pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the, for the word tonight. I thank you that it sinks deep in our hearts, Lord, that it moves us to action, Lord, and uh, that we don't just affirm it mentally, Lord God, but we respond in our actions and in our lifestyle. I thank you for that, Lord. Father God, for the giving of the people tonight, Lord, I thank you for your blessings in their life, Lord God, that you have blessed us to be a blessing to others, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that what, we are, what we are taking in tonight, Lord God, will translate into souls for the kingdom, Father. It will translate into uh, uh, helping to spread the seeds of your kingdom all over this world, Lord God. We thank you for the good work that you're doing through this church, through the people in this church, Lord God things that they are doing all through the week, Lord God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, that is where the church shines, Father God, Monday through Saturday. We thank you for that, Lord God. Praise you, Lord. Uh, We also lift up our pastors right now who are in uh, Africa, Lord. We ask you for their continued uh, safety and uh, productivity, Lord God. I thank you that uh, you go before them and uh, open the doors that uh, need to be opened, Father God that you make their way straight, Lord God, that uh, that they are overcomers, Lord God, and any obstacles that uh, are in front of them, that they will overcome those things in Jesus' name. And uh, we thank you for the good report and the good testimonies that we're expecting back from Africa. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And uh, let's see, the ushers are going to, uh, let's see, no, we got, our, we got our baskets up forward, that's right, so whenever you have your offering ready, you can come forward and bring that down, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time also, and if you need any prayer in your, uh, for anything going on in your body, in your life, in your family, in your job, whatever is going on, whatever the struggles are that you're facing, and you just need somebody to stand in faith with you that you would have that strength, that faith, that vision to move forward. Uh, Be sure and come and let these good prayer partners stand with you in faith because it's not the same when we pray. Amen? Amen. And then come back Sunday, and uh, we're going to have a good time in the Lord. And even though pastor's not here, it counts. Uh, Sundays Sundays count. So uh, we'll we'll see everybody Sunday. Have a great week.